0: Good morning So, my prof used to joke that it's much more convincing when you preach with a bigger Bible and he was saying that even if they don't listen you can knock some Bible sense into them so that's why I have this big book here but uh, on a more important note today I would like to just start off with talking about something that is a little more relevant to our lives today so does anyone happen to know what this symbol means? So so who here knows what this symbol means? Like, raise your hand. Like, Seems like most of the people on this side are the ones raising their hands. So for those who don't know, this uh, is the icon for the app known as Snapchat. And um, this is one of the social medias that teens or even young adults use nowadays to share their lives with their friends. And does anyone actually know what this symbol actually means, though? But why, why is there a ghost in the, an icon? Or it looks like, what is it, like iconic ghosts? So the app was originally actually called Pick Taboo. And so that's why they have that ghost icon in the middle. But then over time, it got changed to call Snapchat. And then people actually don't even know why there's a ghost in the middle. They just know, oh, there's a Snapchat. And so why am I talking about this? So Snapchat is something that I use myself too, And I realized that over time, the more I use Snapchat, the boy realized that there are two major uses that people use, including myself, use Snapchat for. The first one is is to rent. I realized that whenever something they find really angry about or something they find really annoying about, they would take a picture and show it to their friends. And then the amazing thing about Snapchat is it's supposed to not be stored on your phone. So once you send it to someone, it's supposed to be disappeared. But then some people end up taking screenshots of what other people sent. And and, and so it's to protect their sense of privacy so they can say whatever they want without thinking of the consequences because it will be gone. And another use of Snapchat is to just kind of show other people about their lives, like the good things that happen to their lives. For example, anything from, oh, this is an amazing lunch that I had, or, oh, look at how how the weather is so nice today, or like, oh, I I get to spend time in a coffee shop doing nothing, whereas you suckers have to work or like study for the finals or something. So that's kind of what Snapchat tends to become when the more you use it, the more it serves those two purposes. But originally, Snapchat, when I was look, doing some research, there were two really common use. So the first use was actually for guys or girls to send dirty pictures to other people because they disappear right after. So, so there's no consequences. And when the creator made Snapchat, it was to... Send pictures guys to send pictures without feeling like oh they made a mistake because the girls won't have a copy of it anymore so what does this have to do with today's passage about being salty and lit so we realize that a lot of the times when we look at passages especially the one we're looking at today we we take it up context we don't really read it the way the original audience intend to receive the message. And sometimes we take it to the extremes and it ends up serving not the original purpose that Jesus intended when he taught us the message. And so when we look at today's passage on Matthew 5, you realize that what we talk about being salt and light ends up being something completely different from what Jesus says. So on Matthew 5, verse 13 to 16, it says that you are the salt of the, of the earth, but if salt has lost its, salt, its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp. And put it under a basket. But on a stand, it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let the light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. So recently, I also learned that young people have all these new terms. And it's like a trend it's like it, it's becoming popular for, for a brief period of time, and then it disappears. So the newest word I learned from the youth recently is the word trigger. Apparently, when I heard the word, I felt like, like are you trigger as in a gun, like trying to shoot someone or something? And when I looked up the Urban Dictionary, which is an authoritative source for all these young people terms nowadays, it means to be, to be agitated and to get angry about something. Or even yesterday, I learned there's this new term called woke. Like when when you call someone who did a really woke, I was like, so are they sleepy? And then they woke up or something? Or, but it actually means that someone is attentive to the current events and affairs, uh, which is why this word had been really uh, popular the last couple of weeks with the American election. So back to the original passage here, we realize that if we don't understand the context of what salt and light means by Jesus, we'll lose sight of what exactly he's trying to say. So, when he talked about salt of the earth, he's not talking about the idea... Oh, this is not working. Okay. So, it's not about being salty. Salty. So the word "salty," for those who don't know what it means, I actually learned it last summer, uh, and I heard the word a lot when I was um, joining this church team, church ultimate team, when we play sports with other teams and even church other church teams, and we were complaining that when someone are taking, I'm not taking a defeat very graciously, and they complain or like when they when they are bitter about. Their circumstances that's when they're being salty and in some way in our Christian life we're also instead of being the salt of the earth we, we end up being salty where we get too caught up about proclaiming the truth to the point where we end up trying to be the moral police of the world we're trying to tell people what is right tell people that they, not just what is right, but that they are wrong. But when we look at Jesus' ministry, and and we were actually talking about this in our fellowship yesterday, that how Jesus presents truth is not about being offensive. But instead, when he tells the truth, it is making people discomforting. So there is actually a fine line between being offensive and being discomforting. Whereas being offensive is about telling people they're wrong and to judge other people. But when someone is trying to tell the truth in a way that's discomforting, it's about telling them something that is true um, that maybe they don't feel good about themselves, but in the same time, it's not done in a way that puts down other people. So what does Jesus mean then about being salt of the earth? So to look at a little bit of the context of this passage, it's grounded in the Sermon on the Mount, which at the beginning, right before he talked about being the salt and light, he describes his people in the Beatitudes as the blessed people. The people who are giving blessing because they are blessed. And, and to look at the background on how the word salt is used in the Jewish context is actually to have, it actually has to do with the idea of being the covenant of salt. So in the passage in Leviticus when they talk about offering the priests are actually instructed that when they give offerings to God the grain offering it has to be uh, included with salt in order to be purified, to be to be true in their offering. And so, the idea of salt is not about judgment, but is about blessing to others. When we talk about salt, it's about trying to use that precious ingredient to give flavor to our sacrifices to God. It's to show that idea of covenant where when God is giving us blessing, we give that worship back to him. And so, when Jesus taught us to be salt of the earth, it's not about proclaiming truth, but it's about proclaiming or living out that trustworthiness that God is to our, to our lives. And so when we live out that, that concept of salt, it, we have that responsibility To witness God and his truthfulness to us. To witness how in our faith we have faith in this trustworthy God. And in the same way then, when we look at the second part of the passage, it talks about the idea of light. And for me, I'm a really big nerd about lamp designs. And so um, so, so I like looking at designs on lamps and there are so many cool designs when you look on the internet of different ty- kinds of lamps but then you realize that sometimes there are designs where it's really elegant and it's elaborated but it doesn't serve the purpose of, of a lamp like it'll be all like design and everything but when you turn it on it's so dark like you can't see anything and it, it's kind of pointless like Why why do you need a lamp when it doesn't give you light, right? And so, in, in looking at this passage about being the light of the world, it's about us bearing the light. We are not the light ourselves, but that God is the light, and we are the lampstand that bears this light. But the truth is, a lot of the times we take that concept too far when we think about being the light and it ends up about being lit it's about showing people the church instead of the God that the church represents and in the end it ends up being there are churches that go extreme and become a very consumerist church where it's packed with programs intended to attract people anywhere from senior care to hip-hop praise jam to like Mystic Journey and everything all these programs that they do in order just to cater to the different demands that consumer wants for their faith and and it's not just programs it's also about preaching messages that are catered to be relevant to to the people who are not Christian. But when we talk about relevance, it's not just relevance to the faith, but it's just to soothe them. They preach messages that intend to feel good. It's about, oh, if you, if you believe in this God, you'll find joy. Or, or even to the extreme where you'll be rich if you follow Jesus. If you if you sow seeds into, into, into offering, then it will grow and you'll be rich and you'll be blessed. And it ends up losing sight of the very God and the very Jesus that we're trying to bring people towards. What good is the church, as what Jesus says, if it doesn't reveal the light inside of it? And if there's no light being, uh, being bared in, in the church? then a church is only a community of people doing stuff. When we look at the idea of light in the Hebrew understanding, it's about also covenant blessing. The term light is always referring back to God. It's not about the people. We are only the lamp stands. We are only the vessel where the light, is being kept inside And so as a community Of true bearer of light Our job Is not about Covering everything around us And sealing The truth In a way where people can only see the church And not us or, And not the Jesus that, that is inside of us So What does it mean then when we talk about being the salt and light of the world? How do we navigate through the idea that Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world? What does it mean to be the salt and light in our schools? Does it mean we have to go and just share the gospel with our friends does it mean we have to go and judge people who are wrong or what does it mean to be in our in our workplace does it mean we dissociate we dissociate ourselves from those who share different faith does it mean we have to call out people who are doing unfaithful dealings in businesses? Or what does it mean in our communities? Does it mean we have to go to our neighbors and tell them they're wrong? Or when we meet people who are sinful, do we just walk up to them and it's like, you're wrong and you're going to hell? Is that what salt and light mean? And I'm sure you know that on the back of your mind, you know this is not what Jesus taught us. But instead, when we look at Jesus' own life and ministry, we realize that when we talk about being salt and being light, it's about the idea that we are to be transparent as we go into the world. And are transparent not just in successes, but also in our own brokenness when we are being the lampstand, it is only through being transparent and only through the cracks that we are willing to show that the light will seem to, to shine through those lights where they can see Jesus and not the scars of our lives. It is in being vulnerable that people will see the flavor of salt in enhancing the world and when we are being the salt it's going to hurt others they will feel that there will be pain when we reveal the truth to them it's like casting salt in someone's wounds right? when you put salt in someone's wound, it's meant to be disinfecting but in the same time it's going to hurt the truth would hurt but it's not in a way that is offensive, that is in a way that reveals to them that there is goodness in that truth. And Jesus already told us in the Sermon of the Mount that when we are being transparently broken, when when we are being authentically vulnerable, it's going to take a toll in our lives, and it's going to cost us. When we look at the Beatitudes, he reminded us, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are being persecuted for righteousness. There is a price that we will have to pay when we lift out this blessing to the world. But he, in the same time, also assured us that when we lift out this blessing, We are ourselves blessed because God and Jesus have assured us this blessing. Being the salt and light is going to cost us. But God already paid the cost. That's going to to be rewarding for us when we meet Him in eternity. So today, brothers and sisters, I'm not telling you that being the salt and light means that you have to do something and trust God. It's not about your performance. It's not about another instruction that you have to do certain things in order to be God's disciples. But instead, my challenge to you is to remember that God first trusts us. That we are able to reveal this trustworthiness of God to other people because we first experience that trust that God has because He first entrusted us with His Son in this world. That He is willing for His most precious Son to come into this world to be rejected, to be scorned, to be ridiculed by those who don't believe them. In order for us to trust that He is good, He is faithful, He is love, and He is hope. And so, as we go on in our lives, when we go to the season of Advent, we need to remember, as we reflect on Christ coming to this world, what kind of salt and light he himself embody when he comes to this world? Is he here to judge the world? Or is he here to show that trustworthiness that God is trying to reveal to to those who never actually witnessed him? But at the same time, God does judge in the sense that he judged the Pharisees. He judged those who are prideful when faith in God becomes something that is salty, when faith in God is about being lit, when the attention is on those who are prideful about themselves, how they live out faith, and it's not about God. So now, as we go out into the world today, as we go on to our own Adventure during Advent to go and explore what it means to be experiencing this incarnation of God let us try to remind ourselves why Jesus is so trustworthy it is only through this assurance that God is trustworthy that we can show other people that this hope and faith we put our lives into. It's worth that risk and that vulnerability. So we talked about Snapchat this morning and it's a really brief thing. It only lasts a couple of seconds and then it disappears. And likewise, maybe in our own lives, compared to the grand scheme of things, our lives are really like Snapchat. It only lasts a really brief moment compared to the whole history of the Earth and then it's going to flicker, and it's going to go out. How would you like to live this life, this brief moment of your life? Would you like to live this life to be salty and to be lit? Or would you like to live this life to be the salt and the light of this world? Let us pray. Father God, we thank you because you first Come down onto this world, not for your own sake, but for our sake. To show us that this God is the trustworthy God that we can hold on to, to find hope, to find love, to find truth, and to find salvation, Lord. And Lord, as we go out to the world that, that is shattered and broken, let us take that courage that you have, you have shown us to be vulnerable in the way we deal with other people, in the way we, we might get hurt, but in the same time show truth to others. Let us be the light, Lord, that in, even in our brokenness, it's not about showing them about ourselves, but to show that truth and light that is inside of us, that in our own suffering, in our own uh, disappointment, that we are able to cling on to you. So, Lord, may you give us the endurance, give us the perseverance in the season of Advent, that we don't fall fall into the temptations of consumerism, don't fall into the temptations of being judgmental, but to be loving, gracious witness in the world today. Thank you, Lord, and in Christ's name we pray. Amen.